Well, I'm glad that uh, you came out this afternoon, and uh, I hope you will leave here uh, encouraged, uh, better able to do what God has called you to do. Neil uh, preached a wonderful message this morning, reminded us of the great responsibility that we have toward our wives, uh, and uh, mentioned toward the end of his message that he was somewhat uh, concerned uh, about the lack of, of loving relationships that, uh, that we see uh, in this uh, country, our country, and of course it's not uh, in any way limited to our country, but uh, all around the world, and certainly even within the church, there seems to be a, a lack of love uh, from husbands uh, toward their wives, and uh, certainly we could attribute many of the problems that we have in our families today uh, to that very thing. I want to address uh, another aspect of what we're calling our royal responsibility, and that is toward our children. And, and let me just say this as kind of an overview of uh, what I want to do this afternoon. I believe that one of the biggest problems that we face uh, within the church is the lack of male leadership within our families. It's not just a matter of husbands not loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Certainly that's an issue. Uh, but it's husbands and fathers leading their families. Uh, again, Neil mentioned in his message this morning that uh, but the Bible teaches that, that we men uh, are the head of our family. Uh, but we are to exercise that headship uh, in accordance with what we see as Christ as he exercises his headship over the church and, uh, and, of course, certainly that uh, will play a part in the way that we teach our children. That's what I want to I talk to you about this afternoon. Exercising loving leadership uh, in relationship to your children. Uh, what is a responsibility of a man, a father, toward his children's education? And, and let me just say this, far greater than most men think today. Uh, we live in a society that basically has relegated the instruction of children, and I say that from, from preschool right on up through high school, uh, almost exclusively to women. Uh, we turn our kids over to, uh, to be taught, nurtured, instructed, uh, again, almost exclusively by women. Uh, and, uh, and not that women can't be capable teachers. Of course, we know that they can. Uh, and I'm so thankful for the, the women that teach our children, whether we're talking about Sunday school or whether we're talking about uh, more formalized school where our kids receive their secular education. Uh, but men, I just want you to know the Bible uh, speaks of an expectation that God has for us in relationship to uh, the, uh, the training uh, of our children. I'm, I'm just going to read a few uh, passages of Scripture as we, as we begin, and then we're going we're to concentrate on, on one of these. But in Genesis 18, 19, God says, says this of Abraham. Uh, again, so we're talking about before the law. Uh, he says, For I have chosen him, Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. So from the very beginning, uh, God says, I've chosen the man, the father, the leader of the family, the head of the family, to command his children and his household after him. And, and of course, he is to command them, to lead them, in order that they might keep the way of the Lord 
by doing righteousness and justice. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Moses says to the men of Israel, he says, only take care to keep your soul diligently. This is, this is as the nation of Israel was beginning uh, to go in and take possession of the promised land. And they had just experienced this tremendous victory over two uh, pagan kings. Uh, they had... Uh, taken possession of, of uh, I believe, 60 cities and, and just seen God move in such a miraculous way. And so the Lord, again, speaking through Moses to the men of Israel, he says, take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. This, this oral tradition is, is developing within the nation of Israel of passing down truths, past victories, uh, the wondrous works of God. God is saying through his prophet Moses to the people of Israel, to the men of Israel, don't forget what you've seen here on the battlefield. Don't forget the wondrous things that God has done in your behalf. Uh, don't forget. And, and and don't let your children forget. You, you tell them to your children, your, your kids weren't out here on the battlefield with you. They didn't see what you saw, so you have to tell them. And the same thing, of course, is true for us today. We are to make the glorious deeds of God known to our children and to our children's children. In Psalm 78, verses 3 and 4, uh, the psalmist Asaph writes these words. He said, I will utter dark sayings from of old, things we have heard and known that our fathers told us, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Uh, so Asaph makes it clear that he has a responsibility under God to pass on the things that he himself was told by his father. Uh, again, same principle applies today. In the New Testament, Ephesians 6, 4, Paul says this, fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And, and I might just say, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that verse, but, but those are the two opposing positions. Either you are bringing your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, or you're provoking them to anger. Uh, don't provoke them to anger, men. Don't leave them without the necessary tools that they will need to live the life that God has called them to, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The verse we're really going to key in on is Deuteronomy, if you want to turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And I'm going to read them. I'm going to, I'm going to read another passage from Deuteronomy, a, a parallel passage, and then we'll, we'll get into this Deuteronomy 6 passage. But Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, is the, what the, the Jews have referred to as the Shema, um, which is just the Hebrew word that means to hear. And of course, it begins with that word, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that's, the, that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. And then, of course, Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 through 20, very similar words. 
The Bible says, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you were sitting in your house, when you were walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so I, I hope that you are catching a little bit of the repetition that we find in Scripture. And I've said over the years that anytime we see repetition, it is not there simply for the sake of repetition. It is not there because the writer of Scripture somehow inadvertently forgot that I've already said this and is repeating himself. No, it's, it's there for emphasis. So when you see a principle, as we have seen already that is repeated over and over and over again, a responsibility that is given to fathers in relationship to their children as they lovingly lead their families. This responsibility is to us men. We're to teach our children. Uh, we're to be the ones that guide them into an understanding of Scripture, who God is, uh, what God has done for us, uh, what God is doing for us and will do for us. We're, we're to teach our, our children. That's, that's the command. Are we to love our wives? You bet we are. I don't think anybody would argue with the truth that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And I hope that you will leave here today equally convinced and convicted that we need to teach our children the ways of God and the words of God. So what we find, again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, that's where we're going to kind of camp out for a little while this afternoon. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, this passage speaks of at least two things that we as fathers must give to our children, what our children need from us. And the first one is our example, okay? Our children need a godly example, and they need that godly example to be their dad. Again, I'm not saying that mothers aren't to be examples as well, or that pastors aren't to be a godly example, or youth ministers, or children's leaders. But guys, your children need you to be a godly example. An example of what it means to love the Lord. We, we start this whole passage of Scripture with that, that famous Jewish... The, the Jews would recite this verse every day, perhaps multiple times a day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's, that's where we need to kind of just spend some time, just kind of settle in. If there is one responsibility that I have as a father, it is setting an example to my children that I love the Lord, that I consider the words of God significant, paramount, primary, supreme uh, over any other way of thinking about life and love and leadership. This is where we need to find it. Our children, I guess basically what I want you to know is this, our children, your children need to know that their dad loves Jesus. They need to know that. They don't need to wonder about it. You know, the place that I become just keenly aware of whether or not this took place in a man's life is at his funeral. I have sat right here in this room and I have listened to children get up and eulogize their father. 
Now, most of these children are grown-up men and women, all right, when this is taking place. And I have heard fathers praised for everything under the sun. What a great fisherman they were. How devoted they were to Little League ball. Uh, how faithful they were to take us to the lake and teach us to ski. I mean, and I could go on and on with some things that might not be quite so positive as those things. But, you know, it is a rare day when I hear a child, a son, a daughter get up and talk about the man of God that my father was and how he taught me from the time that I can remember to love the Lord. And he taught me by setting a godly example of loving Jesus himself. That's almost never said at a funeral of a man. So I can say along with Neil, I'm, I'm concerned about us guys. Are we really loving our wives as Christ loved the church? I'm concerned about us guys. Are we really teaching our children to love the Lord and to know his word? If you sit at a bunch of funerals like I do, it would seem not. Our children need to know that their father loves the Lord. Oh yeah, they need to know that we love them. No question. They need to know that we love their mom. No question about that. But first and foremost, they need to know that we love the Lord Jesus. They need to know that. And, again, I hope the question's in your brain. Well, how can they know that? What can I do so that they know that I love Jesus? Well, the Bible says that our love for the Lord will be known primarily through our obedience to His commands. So the question you should ask yourself today is this. Am I, am I, am I obedient to the commands of the Lord? Do I know what God has said that I am to do? And am I doing those things? Uh, you know, the, the, the truth is far too many professing Christians stop short of actually carrying out the commands of Scripture. We, we satisfy ourselves. We comfort ourselves with knowing what the Word says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Yeah, I know that. That's found in Ephesians chapter 5. I've heard that verse read from the pulpit. I've memorized it. It was, it was actually in the, in, in the ceremony when I married my wife. I, I believe that. Well, but are you doing it? You know, I believe the reality is there is a, a, a wide gap between what we know and what we actually do. And again, it is a father's responsibility to demonstrate his love for the Lord by actively obeying the Lord in front of his children. Your children need to see you carrying out the commands of God, standing for Jesus, trusting the Lord. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands. So again, as you ask yourself this question, how can I best demonstrate, set it a godly example for my children, show them that I love the Lord? Will you do that by simply keeping His commands? And of course, we don't have time to go through a list of His commands. Uh, we heard one this morning. Here's another one. Uh, there are many, many more. So, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The, again, the word hear there uh, means to listen. But it's not simply to listen. It's listening in order to understand. 
But it's not simply listening in order to understand. It's listening in order to understand in order to obey. That's the idea there. So basically when the Israelites heard that word here in their minds, they were, they were hearing obey. Do this. Live in light of this truth. This wasn't just a, a mental exercise for them. When they would hear that word here, listen, they, they knew exactly what was being said. God was saying, I want, you to, I want you to understand what I'm saying to you. And I want you to understand what I'm saying to you in order that you might live in light of what I am saying to you. So, of course, the implications there are great for us. Are you listening to the word of God? Are you putting yourself in a place, and I know that I'm talking to you guys who are here at 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. The vast majority of the men who are members of this church chose not to come today. They chose not to hear the word of the Lord. I know some of you guys may be watching later, so if you are watching later, uh, I apologize. <laughs> but the reality is, often the reason that we don't set a godly example for our children is because we don't know what to do because we haven't chosen to hear, to put ourselves under, to listen in order to understand, in order to obey the Word of God. And of course, what these guys were to hear is that the Lord is one. Uh, and without going into great depth as far as an explanation about what this entailed, what is being said here is that Yahweh is the one and only true God, the living God. Uh, and we need to understand that. But greater than that, by expressing this truth not simply by repeating these words over and over as the Israelites. That to this very day, they do. But it's living out these words. In other words, God is to be your one and only God. And again, I'll go back to my illustration of funerals. Let me tell you. If all I knew about some of the men that children have talked about at a funeral service... Their God was their boat. Their God was the golf course. Their God was, who knows, anything and everything except God. What this tells us, when we say that the Lord is one, He is the one. The one and only. There is only one God. There is only one to whom we should give our allegiance. There is only one to whom we should, we should lay down our lives for. It's, it's this, this God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's the God that we are to love. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This one and only God is the God that we are to love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Again, what does it mean to love the Lord? L love for God, and again, there are lots of ways that we could explain this today. But let me just say this. Love for God is a grateful response to all that God has done for us. That, that's what's going on here in Deuteronomy. God was beginning to give these Israelites victory. He was beginning to fulfill this promise that they had anticipated, some of them, for many, many years. And so loving God was to be the response. Neil mentioned today that when we love our wives as Christ loved the church, it will not be 
difficult to expect our wives to then submit to us as loving leaders, spiritual servant leaders. Uh, Same thing is true here. This love for the Lord is a response to all that God has done for us. God has loved us. And again, this is just bringing it down to pretty simple terms here. God has loved us and he has saved us. Because he has loved us, and Neil mentioned this today too, we are now in a position to love, to love him, to love one another. John, 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. You cannot love the Lord until you have first experienced the love of God in your own life, uh, which means that you've been born again. You've received Christ as Savior uh, and Lord. And so uh, before I go too much farther, you know, that's something we all need to think about in here. And, I, you know, the, the assumption that, that I would be quick to make is that anybody that would show up here this afternoon for this special time probably already knows and loves Jesus, has been born again. But I, I'm not going to let this time go by without at least giving you an opportunity to reflect on it a little bit. Has there been a time? Can you, can you recall a time in your life when you realized that you needed Jesus to save you? Well, I can remember that moment in my life. It happened right here in this auditorium convicted of my sin. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed Jesus. And I remember praying, crying out to him, sitting right back there on those baptistry steps. Come into my heart, Lord. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I trust that you have made a similar profession of faith, that you've cried out to God in repentance. John Piper says it this way, concerning loving the Lord. He said, you don't merely decide to love him. Something changes inside of you. And as a result, he becomes compellingly attractive. His glory, his beauty compels your admiration and delight. He becomes your supreme treasure. You love him. And let me tell you, that happens when you're born again. When God opens your eyes to the reality of who he is and who you are. And how desperately you need him. So the only way that you can really love the Lord, and therefore the only way that you can really set a godly example for your children, is by walking in a relationship, being in a right relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Don't leave here today with any doubt in your heart that you have trusted Christ and that you are living for, that he's alive in you today. Just don't let that happen. Moses stacks up the, and really, again, this is the Lord speaking through Moses. So he stacks up these, these, these words about how much we should love the Lord. And I'm just going to say right now, in a nutshell, you should love the Lord with all you are, with every essence of your being, right down to your toenails, all right, with everything that's in you. That's what these words mean. But he starts off that we should love the Lord with all our heart. And of course, the, the heart in the Old Testament language, Hebrew, speaks of the, the seat or the center of your mind and emotions, uh, your will. Uh, Neil mentioned today that agape love was a, a love that was driven by the mind and the will. It was not an emotional kind of love. When the Old Testament speaks uh, or uses that word heart, and really to a certain degree, even in the New Testament, that's what he's talking about. It, it, there is an emotional aspect aspect to it, but, but the emotional aspect is not primary. What's primary is your, your mind, your intellect, your will. Uh, this is the, the part of you from which springs decisions and choices. And let me tell you, it's the decisions and the choices that we make in life that often cause such a problem for us, right? 
or either cause such a blessing for us. And I want to know that I'm making decisions and choices that spring from a love for God, an understanding of who God is, and a grateful, thankful heart for who He is to me, for what He has done for me. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your mind, with your, with your will, uh, with your emotion. And then he says, all your soul. Again, your innermost self, the, the person that you are in, in, in essence. And, and by the way, we often speak of having a soul. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You are a living being, a soul. That's what that word really means. You are a living soul. That's what you are. It's not just something that you have and, and, and as if you could have it one day and not have it the next day. You are a soul. So with all that you are, with everything that you have within you, Moses is saying, love the Lord. And then he says, with all your might. Uh, and of course we think of strength and power and you know, with, with the sheer effort that I can exert. In, in, and that's not really what this is talking about. <laughs> It's a compound word there that, that means entire or total or exceedingly great. So in other words, we love the Lord with all our heart, with our mind, our will, our emotions, with all our soul, with everything that I am, and I do that with every bit of, of me that I can muster with all my might. It is a, a to, total thing. I give myself totally. And, and I know it sounds almost counterintuitive. If I'm giving myself totally the one thing, then I'm not going to be able to give myself totally to another thing. In other words, if I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might, how in the world am I going to be able to love my wife and my children as, as Christ loved the church? How is that possible? Well, let me tell you, I, I'm not, not sure I can do the math, but I'm, I'm just going to say it's possible. As a matter of fact, that's the only way it's possible. The only way that you'll love your wife is Christ loved the church. The only way that you'll love your children and lead them to know the Lord and to know God's word is as you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. They go hand in hand. And then Moses begins to speak of the words of God. These words that I command you today. Again, these were the words of God. Uh, we are so fortunate today. We, we have these words right here. You and I can walk out of here today, go home with the words of God. The men of Moses' day didn't have that benefit. Now, these words were just being written, recorded. Uh, they didn't have access to the word of God. They had to literally listen. They had to go hear what Moses said or what the prophets said. You and I can avail ourselves of the word of God anytime. So again, the excuses that we so often use for not doing, for not being the men that we're called to be, really are pretty lame. Because all we need is right here. It's right here. I'm convinced that any truly born-again believer, any man full of the Holy Spirit of God can take the Word of God. And, I, and I'm not saying that you're just going to understand every word that you read and every passage and be able to apply it perfectly to your life. No, that, that, that'll take your whole life to do that and more. But I am saying that you can hear God speak. And you can hear God speak to you. And God will use His Word to do wonderful things. So these words, these words of God, and, and he says this, shall be on your heart. 
Continually on your mind is the idea there. These words are what should be continually on your mind, not anything else. All right? The Word of God. That should be prime, priority in your life. The idea in those words shall be in your heart could even be construed to mean committed to memory. When was the last time you memorized a verse of Scripture? And let me just say this to you young men in here. Better do it now. It gets harder and harder. You know why we do Awana, right? Because kids can memorize Scripture like nobody's business. And, and it stays with them. The things you memorize when you're a little kid, it'll stay in your, your heart your whole life. It gets harder and harder as you get older and older. But for us older guys, no excuse. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. David writes in Psalm 119.11, a verse we all perhaps have memorized at one time or another. I have stored up or hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Again, right there is the principle and the purpose of the principle. We're to hide God's word in our heart. His words that he has commanded us are to be on our hearts ready for us to pull up in any given situation. Again, we have the person of the Holy Spirit within us who will help us in that moment, who will bring to our mind the things that God has said. Again, so we just don't have an excuse that we might not sin against Him. So, men, what your children need is a godly example. All right? We're talking about teaching our kids. And I'm a guy that loves to stand up in front of a group just like this and teach I'll just say this, when it comes to your children, really when it comes to anybody, the far greater lesson will be learned from your life, them watching you live your life, than anything you will ever say with your mouth. So dads, set a godly example for your kids. Love the Lord and let them see you loving God right out in front of them. And then the other thing that they need is our exhortation. They need an example, they need an exhortation. It can't stop with our example. Too many men... Again, excuse themselves. They say, well, you know, I've, I've tried to live my life the best I can so that my kids can see, but I'm not much of a teacher. I'm not much of a speaker. I'm not real articulate. Let me tell you, the Bible says we have to speak to our children if we're going to teach them. They need our exhortation, and the word exhortation can, can be translated encouragement. It can, it can mean to make an appeal, and that's really what I'm, what I'm saying this, or you, how I'm using this in my outline. We need to appeal to our children to urge them, as Paul does in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. By the mercies of God, I appeal to you. He's saying, I exhort you. I encourage you. I urge you. I'm, I'm pleading with you to present yourselves as living sacrifices. All right? That's, that's what it means to exhort someone. And we're to do that. We're to be the primary exhorters for our kids. Our children must be taught to love the Lord and to love His Word. And one of the clearest ways to demonstrate our love for the Lord, as well as our love for our children, is to teach our children to love God and His Word. So again, teach your kids. Uh, and, and by the way, teaching your children and seeing them come to grasp the truth uh, of God's Word. And let me tell you, this begins long before they ever make a profession of faith. Long before that. Uh, we can begin to teach them. And then when they, when they come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, then just they are all the more receptive to God's Word and to what God is doing in their lives. And, and this, this role, this responsibility of teaching, 
I would say, and again, I think when most people think of it, they don't think of it this way, but, but this is one of the most satisfying endeavors that you will ever engage in. To make the effort to teach your children, to see them grasp the teaching and then walk in it. Live in accordance with it. John writes this in 3 John 4. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. To John, there was no greater joy than that. No, no greater joy in life than to know that my children are walking in the truth. And I'm telling you, for a guy, a dad who loves the Lord with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength, no greater joy than to know that you've led your children to do the same thing. So, is it your greatest joy to see your children come to know the Lord, to walk in His Word? Should be. Teach them diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach them diligently, our English translation, is, is really just one Hebrew word. And, and that Hebrew word primarily means, speaks of repetition, to repeat something. Uh, it can also mean to sharpen. So I, I've always liked to think of it as meaning to sharpen by repetition. All right. Uh, that's what's being talked about. How do we teach our children to love God and to love His Word? We're gonna, it's going to be repetitive. We're going we're gonna to say things over and over and over, do things over and over and over, remind them over and over and over. That's the idea here. One commentator writes this. He says, The image is that of an engraver of a monument who takes hammer and chisel in hand and with painstaking care etches a text into the face of a solid slab of granite. The sheer labor of such a task is daunting indeed, but once done, the message is there to stay. That's the idea. You're going to teach your children? It's going to be painstaking, repetitive, going back again and again, demonstrating again and again. And of course, then he lays it all out for us. Talk to them, really. Talk of them, speaking of the, the words that he has commanded us here today. You shall talk of them. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you, when you rise up. And again, the emphasis there is on talking of them. I mentioned again, we're going to, you've got to open your mouth at some point. You can't depend on, on, on just your life. You've got to speak. I don't have any current statistics. I would suspect that they haven't changed very much over the years, maybe a little bit. But when I was a young father, uh, I think it was the, the James Dobson's group, Focus on the Family, that came out. And there was a survey done that estimated that the average father spent about 30 seconds a day in serious conversation with his children. Man, that isn't enough. You need to talk to your kids. You need to talk to your kids about the Lord. Verbal communication with them. Of that which God has said. Again, how does this happen? How do, we, how do we talk to our kids about the Word? Well, we can talk to them just in normal, normal conversation. We don't have to sit down with our Bible in our laps and have a formal devotional time, although that's a good thing to do. But, but we ought to be able to just have a conversation. And if we're a man who loves the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind, strength, we're going to, I mean, it's just going to come up in regular conversation. 
So you talk to your kids, and as you talk, you talk about the Lord. Devotional reading, again, that, that's, that is an important thing that we can do. There can be more formal times of, of hearing the Word of God. Instruction concerning the things of God. But again, talk to them. Use words with your kids. Words that they can understand. I remember when my kids were going to school, they used to memorize Scripture using the King James Version of the Bible. Now, I don't have any problem with the King James Version of the Bible um, although I'm using an ESV today. And I use the ESV and other more modern translations because I think they're easy for us to understand. My kids would memorize a verse of Scripture, and then I'd say, okay, you got it. Now do you know what it means? And inevitably, the answer to that was no. Well, what does this word mean, this old King James word mean? We need to know what the Word of God means, and we need to share that with our kids. We need to talk to our children. And, and when do we do that? Well, you do that when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way. Periods of inactivity, when you're just relaxing, periods of activity, when you're out and about. You never know when the Lord's going to give you a perfect illustration, a perfect opportunity to talk about what His Word says about one thing or another. Whether you're inside the house, whether you're outside, the Word of God should be front and center in our lives. Again, the Word of God should be front and center in our lives. Nothing else. Now there are other things that can come second, third, fourth, but the Word of God should be first. When you lie down and when you rise, that means, again, I know lots of dads, and I did this with my own kids. When do you pray with your kids? When I tuck them into bed at night. Nothing wrong with that. But don't let that be the only time. Scripture says, man, when you get up, too, not just when you lie down at the end of the day, but when you get up, the Lord ought to be on your mind all the time, throughout the day, when it ends, when it begins, Throughout the day, bind them. This is so interesting. Bind them as a sign. And the Jews, by the way, have taken these commands literally. And to this day, there are certain sects within the Jewish community that literally tie these little boxes on their wrists and they put headbands where those things hang down in front of their eyes. Uh, I'm not sure that this was meant to be a literal thing, but he said, bind them on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. And bind them as a sign on your hand. And I think the emphasis there is on a sign. But if you do this literally, there will be no question in anybody's mind, what's up with that dude? What's that stuff hanging from his wrist and around his head? And I think that's the idea here. I think that the way we live our lives, the attitudes, our actions, should clearly identify us as those whose faith is in God and in His Word. That's what's being said here. And that should be very clear to our children. If your children were ever asked, does your daddy know the Lord? Does your daddy love God? There wouldn't be any question in their mind. No hesitation. Oh yeah, my dad knows the Lord. My dad loves Jesus. It would be so clear, as clear as if you were wearing a big sign around your head. I love Jesus. But really be more powerful than that. Because it would be seen in your life and not just words around your forehead. Bind them as a sign. Uh, and then he says, write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Again, nothing wrong with putting scriptural references on your wall. I have them on my wall in my house. Uh, but here's, I think, what it's saying. As a father, you should have a reputation in your own home and within the community at large as a man who knows and loves the Lord. All right? The doorpost of your house, again, a reference to, I mean, just right up the front door. And then the, 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 the gates... In, in these days, this wasn't talking about 
a gate on a picket fence in front of your house. This was talking about the gates of, of the town, the gates of the community. And so again, I think what's being said here is just what I said a moment ago. Your, your love for the Lord should be evident, not only to your own children, but to your neighbors uh, within the community. Uh, so guys, that's my exhortation to you, and that should be your exhortation to your kids. Love the Lord with all your heart. And teach your children to love the Lord with all their heart as they watch you and listen to you talk about the very things that Moses was telling the people of Israel. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for these words. Thanks for this opportunity to share with these guys. And Lord, uh, I would be the first one to admit that I have not perfectly set an example for my kids of a man that loves the Lord. Nor have I perfectly taught them uh, to love the Lord and to, and to love His Word. Um, but Father, the desire of my heart is to be such an example. Uh, and Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that my opportunity for that is not over. Though my children are married and no longer live under my roof, Lord, I still have a wonderful opportunity uh, to teach them, to show them, to demonstrate to them that I love you. And I pray that I would take every opportunity that you give me to do just that. And Lord, now as a, as a grandfather, Lord, uh, this, this responsibility doesn't stop with my own children, but, but with my children's children and their children. And so as long as I have breath in me, Father, help me uh, to love you outwardly, openly, with all my heart, in order that the people that I love the most might turn to you and trust you uh, as I have. Uh, so Lord, thank you for this time. Bless these men. In Jesus' name we pray.